Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, Bird Gang? It's a Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Powered by Manscaped, DraftKings, and Fanatics. Co-host Connor Miles here with our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Crass. Ed, it's finally over. The Eagles made a decision. It wasn't you. It wasn't I. It wasn't Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Nick Sirianni. They decided to make as the next head coach, the former offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Ed, I know a lot of us didn't really know Nick Sirianni, and I, myself included. Not gonna, not gonna sit here and lie. Besides the fact that he was the Chargers wide receiver coach, that's really all I knew about him before he became offensive coordinator for the Colts. Um, I think perception is what is troubling some of the fan base because the perception is, and you can't deny it. And I'll go into it later in the episode. Uh, we talk about the positives and negatives of this hire is you fired your Super Bowl winning head coach and you hired his offensive coordinators, offensive coordinator to replace him. So no matter what, at the end of the day, you're, you're admitting yourself. And I think Jeffrey Lurie's admitting to himself and the Eagles fans when the, with the, you're implying with this hire, Hey, you know, we love Doug, but maybe we undervalued Frank a little bit. Maybe Frank did have way more, part of this Super Bowl run that we want to give out. Uh, we know that we wanted to fire him once after 2016 and promote John D. Fupido as offensive coordinator, but maybe we should right our wrongs. Maybe we should get a guy that all these players did love in Frank Wright. Maybe we need to get close to what Frank Reich was to this team and less to what Doug Peterson was and go back to that formula. And what better way to do it than to hire his right-hand man, Nick Sirianni? Is there any merit to that? Because that's what it looks like. Yeah, sure. I yeah, I think I I'm kind of excited about the hire to be honest with you. I mean, if you looked at all the candidates, they interviewed 10, they didn't talk to uh Lincoln Riley officially, but I think he was the best of those 9 9 or 10 candidates. I mean, you could make a case for Joe Brady, but I'm I'm pretty excited by the fact that it's not the Andy Reid coaching tree. I know Reid's had great success with his coaches, you know, I think four of them were in the playoffs this year and um, you know, that that's great. But I think it's nice to have a, a change of pace here. And to go with someone like Frank Reich's guy, 
absolutely, I'm, I'm thinking that had something to do with it. I mean, Reich was a very popular uh, person <clears throat> inside that Novacare complex in his two years here in Philadelphia. Um, great guy. Everybody liked Frank. Um, and that's not the be all end all for Nick Sirianni to be the head coach, but I think it's certainly a huge help. And, you know, if you look at all the candidates that were asked about Carson Wentz and, you know, the Eagles did ask each candidate about Carson Wentz and how would they fix him and this and that, um, probably (laughs) the reason Nick Sirianni did so well with that question was because he probably talked to Frank Reich. So he kind of had the answers um before you know even going into the interview he had the right answers after talking to frank because frank worked closely with carson so um it's going to be interesting to see now what happens with carson and will nick come out and name him the starter day one going into whatever camp looks like or will he make it an open quarterback competition um but clearly that's what it came down to was carson wentz and frank reich worked closely with wentz and now nick suriani knows from frank how to work with carson Ladies and gentlemen, read between the tea leaves. Ed just gave you guys his first question of Nick Sirianni during that press conference. What he's going to ask him is, is there a quarterback competition heading into training camp? Yeah. Ed, I hope you get called on. I hope that's the, I, I really hope that's the first question I get to hear because yeah, I don't expect him to be fully honest with this answer. I don't expect him to go out and claim Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback because I don't think you can. I, just, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I don't think that's the right message to send in the locker room. I think competition breeds the best out of everyone. I think when you're a new coach going to a team that you have no emotional attachment to outside well, of Frank Reich, you well, have to give an honest evaluation of each an individual player and give them all a chance to compete to prove to you that they should be starting for your football team, for your new scheme. Yeah, right. And, you know, maybe the better way to ask that question is what was your answer to Jeffrey and Howie's questions about Carson Wentz? in terms of fixing him, you know what I mean? Because you could ask him, is he going to, I'm sure he'll give the politically correct answer. If you ask him, what is the, uh, you know, depth chart at quarterback right now, I'm sure he'll say, well, you know, I haven't looked at it much. I did my second day on the job or whenever he does talk to us, you know, I'm still new on the job. I haven't made any of those decisions yet, but I want to know what he told Lurie and Roseman in answer to how do you fix Carson Wentz? Yeah, absolutely. I want to know too, but I also, I mean, like, I think you're right. Hey, Frank did this with Carson. Carson liked it a lot. And there's reports out there that suggest that Carson wants to be reunited with Frank. We don't want that to happen. So, Frank Jr., how do you fix this? Frank Jr. <laughs> they already called him Frank Jr. That's it, does, it does. I mean, I look, I'm going to give Nick Sirianni the chance, obviously. I don't really know him that well. And, and I'm, not, I'm not going to lie. Jeffrey Leary makes better coaching decisions than I do. That's the truth. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm on a high throne. I'm a fan and I'm a podcaster. I just want to talk about this. And when you look at it from the outside perspective, looking in, you can't sit here and look at me dead in the eye and say, we didn't make this higher for Carson once because you're a liar. Oh, no, absolutely. That was a huge part of it. Um, because to me, you know, he does run a lot of the same concepts uh, offensively that Doug ran. Um, he does like to get the tight ends involved, but not like, the Eagles really relied on that two person or twelve personnel, two tight end set. Um, you mentioned he was a quarterbacks coach. Or I'm yeah. sorry, wide receivers coach in San Diego. And you look at this coach in San Diego too, though. Too, yeah, right. and he was two years there too. But you, you look at the receivers, and I know you have a list of them. We talked about this list you have. Yeah, we were all there talking all as much as we yeah. could 
recorded the episode. And, and you made a great point. I mean, he has really developed kind of no-name receivers. Like you, you'll give your list here, I'm sure, in a few minutes. But um, you were rattling off names, and I'm scratching my head over. I'm like, you know, I, I don't really remember that guy. But yeah, he had like 800 yards receiving. So I mean, he's done good things. And now you look at this Eagle receiver core. Jalen Rager clearly uh, was either not. They didn't know how to use him well last year, but he needs to be coached up. He needs to play to his strengths. The coach has to identify what they are. You have Quez Watkins, John Hightower, um, Greg Ward, still a young receiver. I mean, you have a young group. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, what can he do with uh, Ortega-Whiteside? Was Is he just a complete bust with no talent, or was it the coaching staff, the Doug Peterson regime, that couldn't get anything out of him? Right. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that prospect. I really am. I'm excited yeah. to see what Nick Sirianni can bring, not just to Carson Wentz, but to this really young receiver group that's been really underplayed uh, the last couple of years under Doug. That's my major, and you're already alluding to it, that's my major positive about the Nick Sirianni hiring is that he brings something to the wide receiver room that no coach for the Philadelphia Eagles has the last five years, except for the year that Mike Rowe was wide receiver coach. Because I will admit, the, the one lone year the Eagles had a good wide receiver coach, because nothing against Aaron Moorhead, really don't know him that well, and he came into a horrible situation uh, with this season dealing with the Eagles wide receivers and the offense as is uh, in this system. But the really one lone year they had a solid wide receivers coach was Mike Rowe in 2017 when he was yeah. the wide receivers coach. The great uh, Nelson Aguilar and Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, guys. Yeah, they, they made that whole crew work. But – you know, and you mentioned Marin Moorhead, but you wonder if he'll come back now. I mean, he has Colts ties, um, so you wonder if he'll be in line to come back as the position coach, which I think he should because the Eagles have had such a revolving door at that. Yeah, point. I think it would be good for not only that. I mean, if Rager is your first round pick, this guy has a personal relationship with him. Yes, He's growing up with Aaron Moorhead, his dad and him are former teammates. So I hear you on that. I don't think it's going to happen though. Yeah, I think Nick Sirianni because again. The other thing I like about Nick Sirianni that I added for the positives list, he's been around the league. It's not just Frank Reich. He's been on Todd Haley's staff. Yeah. He's been on Mike McCoy's staff. He's been with Frank Reich. He he has some understanding to this whole entire football, uh, how it works, and not just a Frank Reich influence. He's been around. So he's seen where coaching staffs haven't worked, and he's seen where coaching staffs have worked. And that that does that I like that. That's a positive for me because – when you're a coach, with Doug Peterson, you came into like all the success with Andy Reid. You followed Andy Reid throughout his success. All right. Well, with Nick Sirianni, you saw Todd Haley absolutely fail in Kansas City. What it didn't work in Kansas City. Then you went to San Diego and you saw some bright spots with Mike McCoy when things were going right. And then when you saw the ship when it completely sunk. Now you're in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. You had all this stuff you had to overcome. You had one solid year with Andrew Luck. It was a great year. He threw 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. You, the future was looking up for Indianapolis, coming off of a bad Chuck Pagano and a bad, uh, what was their GM there that used to be on the Eagles? Uh, uh, Greg, Griggs. Ryan, was it Ryan? Ryan, Ryan Grigson. Ryan you, Griggson. You were coming off a bad, that team was coming off a bad era of that. You come in there with Frank, you rejuvenate the culture, you make it a winning football team again. Even when... Andrew Luck leaves you at the altar after the next year when you're building something great there. Uh, and then you have Jacoby Brissett and you have Philip Rivers and you go back to the playoffs in 2020 with Philip Rivers who retires because really he was just not in the position to play football anymore. And you still won with him. So that's why that's another positive about Nick Sirianni is you've seen what, how, what's failed and you've seen what's 
worked and then failed. And then you've seen what's broken and can be fixed in each situation that you've been in so far. That's important for a coach because Doug yeah. didn't have that. So right. my and- thing is, like you said, the wide receiver position. I mean, every wide receiver room he's been a part of, whether it's a wide receivers coach or offensive coordinator, I know everybody's going to be like, some of these guys are talented. What influence does he really have? I think the pattern is damning, at least. to give, At least to give to his his track record is every wide receiver room he's a part of, he gets production out of it. Keenan Allen, Pro Bowl wide receiver, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. A lot of people, I mean, when I put this tweet out there, a lot of replies were, well, Keenan Allen's talented. Keenan Allen's great. What, what's, what, is this talented or is this coach? Keenan Allen has most career-high receiving yards, 1393 receiving yards in his lone season with Nick Sirianni as wide receivers coach because of 2016, Keenan Allen got hurt. Let's not forget Keenan Allen's rookie year. I mean, I know um, that was 2013, and Sirianni was the offensive quality control coach. True. Good okay. point. And, and Allen, everybody will say, well, you see, Keenan Allen was a great talent, but Keenan Allen was a third-round draft pick who his rookie year, him and, and, um, and Sirianni was on staff then, and Allen had a great rookie year. I think he had 71 catches, close to 1,100 yards receiving, and eight touchdowns. It was great. Now, yeah, I mean, he had a great year, and say what you want about Sirianni, how involved he was with that, but as an offensive quality control coach, you're involved with a lot of aspects of that offense and his track record had been quarterbacks and receivers. So I would think that he probably worked with Allen that year as well. And Allen had a fantastic rookie year. I'll go back and look up Keenan Allen's 16, I mean, excuse me, 2017 season. And he gives a ton of credit to Nick Sirianni. He gives a ton of credit to that. And again, it's almost 14,000, 1400 receiving yards. And that is still a career high for Keenan Allen to this day. Tyrell Williams, 2016, the first year that Nick Sirianni is a wide receivers coach. He had a thousand yards. He's never come close to that since. He hasn't even been close to the player since. See that that's that was one of the head scratching names when you, we were off air and you brought that name up. I'm like Tyrell Williams. I never even heard of that guy. The Raiders paid him off of that. Yeah, and, and he hasn't done anything. Right. T-Y, and again, Ty Hilton's a great, great player. Still a great player. But he still had twelve hundred and seventy receiving yards with Nick Sirianni as offensive coordinator. So this is what I really wanted to focus on. Sirianni's been a part of offensive staffs that had three. A thousand wide receivers since 2016. You know how many Doug Peterson has? Uh, zero. Yes. Nothing against the, again. People are going to be like, "This is a horrible comparison." Like you guys are comparing apples to oranges here, and I get that, but it's still telling to me that the wide receiver units that Nick Sirianni seems to be a part of has contributors, and it's not even just those guys. Dwayne Bow, 800 receiving yards in 2012. That was his most his last three seasons in the NFL. Dontrell Inman, who. I swear to you, I swear to you, I swear to you, I swear to you, gets jobs in the NFL because of Nick Sirianni. He follows, he followed him to the Colts multiple times. The Colts have been on and off with him, and I, I guarantee you that's because of Nick Sirianni's influence. 810 receiving yards in 2016. Travis Benjamin, 677 receiving yards in 2016. I know people probably recognize that name, but his wide receiver production was never there. It was there with Nick Sirianni, though. Mm-hmm. He, Michael Pittman Jr. this year. Rookie, 510 receiving yards. Zach Paschal, undrafted free agent out of nowhere. Back-to-back seasons of 600 yards as Sirianni's offensive coordinator. No matter what, all this track record shows is he's a part of offensive staffs that get production out of the wide receivers. You can argue what his influence is on that. That's fine. But the track record shows he's a part of, in all phases of his resume, he's a part of wide receiver rooms that get production out of their guys. 
something that the Eagles haven't been able to do the last couple of years. I think that's what you impressed in the interview. Yep. I mean, Carson Wentz aside, I mean, that that is a reason to really be pumped, if you ask me, is that oh, receiving really? production that he's got. Out of it, man. Take Carson out of it as much as you can. Because you, I firmly believe you do not make a hiring based off of one player. Now, of course, that's what they did. But there has to be other factors to it. Because like I, like we said last episode, when what we thought about Josh McDaniels and everything about Josh McDaniels is no matter what, they came in with a plan A, but they also had to have an idea for plan B. And I'm sure Nick Sirianni, at, at some way, some form, convinced them, hey, I worked with Matt Castle. I saw what worked there and what didn't work with him. I worked with uh, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, multiple years. I worked with Jacoby Brissett. I've worked with a, a bunch of quarterbacks. Let's just go ahead and say that. Carl Clemens and, and uh, with the Chargers. Well, I can find a way to work with Jalen Hurts. I know what, how to work with different quarterbacks. Maybe I haven't worked with somebody like with his skill set, but I'll find a way to do it because I found a way to work with each and other and everyone. Because you have to have that plan. You have to. Because it's not like this team is fully banking on Carson Wentz to be, to be fixed. Because they're not going to – This is Nick Sirianni is going to be tasked with doing so, but if he's not able to – they're not gonna. They're not gonna pick another coach to do it again. They're gonna. They're not gonna fire the head coach and say, "All right, let's try again. Let's third times the charm." It's gonna be Carson on the chopping block next time. So, right. My okay. thing is, what else can he do for the team? And what else can you do for the team is you can get your production for the wide receiver room, which you haven't been able to get the last five years. But but getting back to that quarterback, I think that's one thing too that sort of well definitely sets him apart from Josh McDaniels in that he worked with three different quarterbacks the last three years. Okay, and not every quarterback is built the same, obviously. So you're working with three different skill sets uh, with those players. So you're going to have to adjust your scheme and what you do to tailor the strengths of that player. So now he's going to work with his fourth different quarterback in four years, whereas McDaniels worked with really just one quarterback his entire career. Tom Brady, obviously, he worked with Sam Bradford for one year when he was uh, with the then St. Louis Rams. But I think that's a tra- an attractive uh, asset to bring in is someone that has worked with different quarterbacks. And to be honest, the Colts offense really never skipped much of a beat. They were in the top 12 uh, the last three years. I think they were ninth, 10th, and 12th, uh, maybe in that order. Maybe it was 10th, 9th, and 12th, but with three they different were, quarterbacks. They were in contention with Jacoby Brissett. Let's not all forget. They were in contention with, for were. a wildfire spot with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, the wheels came off late in that season for Brissett. Um, yeah, you know. He's not good. He shouldn't be a starting quarterback. And they, I think that's really something that Jeffrey looked at too. Is this guy's track record with quarterbacks, not just one quarterback, um, but multiple quarterbacks? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I. You just read off another one of my positives. I said working with a magnitude of quarterbacks with a varying success is key. He was a part of the Matt Castle Chiefs when that fell apart. Jacoby Brissett not panning out, but he also got solid production out of a, a an eight Philip Rivers who should. I mean, many would have argued he should have retired last year. And they got the most out of him they possibly could have. Andrew Luck in 2018. That's huge for how you go into this room and approach Carson Wentz saying, hey, I've seen what's worked with quarterbacks. I've seen what hasn't worked with quarterbacks. And I've seen when quarterbacks have struggled. Because Phil Rivers was coming off a bad year in San Diego. I mean, excuse me, with Los Angeles in 2019. Like, many thought he should have retired. And the Colts got him, and he looked way way better. And they knew how to protect him. Yeah. Los Angeles couldn't. So well, that's what you have to hope is. I mean, if it wasn't for Alex Smith, Philip Rivers would be a candidate for the comeback player of the year, just as Andrew Luck was 
when he came off of the shoulder injuries, he, him, he won comeback player of the year because he had a great season. Now, you know, Carson Wentz didn't overcome any injuries, but, you know, that's the hope is that he can put Carson Wentz in a conversation where he could be the comeback player of the year. Not that he would get it because that usually goes to someone that overcame an injury or whatever, but, um, but maybe, I mean, what if Carson Wentz comes out and, and, you know, throw, you know, does a great, has a great season based on what he did last year, he could be a comeback player of the year. And that's kind of what you're hoping, uh, you know, that, uh, Sirianni can do for Carson. Right. No matter what, that's key to yes. this guy going into this room and he knows how to approach Carson once in his struggles. That's what matters the most because Joshua Daniels could say he knew what to do. He didn't have proof. Right. Nick Sirianni at least has proof. Like, we know how to do this. At least Frank taught me. And if Frank taught me, I'm sure Jeffrey Leary bought into that. But another, another candidate brought that to the table. I mean, Joe Brady, no. I mean, Joe Brady's. Probably going to be a really good head coach. In this probably the next that did, though, because I will say, yeah. you could say what you want, but the SEC is as close to the NFL as you could possibly get. And he, yeah. what yeah, he did Burrow. was insane. Yeah. And he, did, and he did give Teddy his best, which wasn't that a huge su- success, but it, he did give him his best season. He did as a pro. So I would argue that Joe Brady was probably second. Maybe even Arthur Smith was third because of what he did with Ryan Tannehill. But uh, again, Arthur Smith, I mean, they were interested in Arthur Smith. He, he took the Falcons job as soon as he was offered. So yeah. who knows where they had Arthur Smith in that ranking. I think a lot of the anger today, too, among the fan base, and sorry to kind of get diverted here, but I think it's Deuce Staley. Like, why wasn't Deuce Staley given a chance? Why would you bring in Deuce – why wouldn't you not bring in Deuce Staley? Guys, buy your own team and hire Deuce Staley as your head coach. <laughs> Honestly, but because yeah. – look – as much as I look, I love the guy. He was a great player for the Eagles, and he was a good player for the Steelers too. He was a solid NFL running back, and he's a good coach. He's a good position coach. Some guys are meant to be in those positions, and if Deuce Staley, look, I mean, I know what Paul Dominich reported about him turning down the offensive quarter spot in 2018, which I don't think is true. I know Paul's standing by it, but I mean, I think that's it's too crazy to believe. I need, I need once I hear a second confirmed report on that, I will buy into it a little bit more but it's really hard for me to 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 really fathom that but if that is true we also that's a more gaming thing to do staley but if this if deuce was as coveted as what the perception is of him through this fan base he's not coaching on the eagles he's an offensive coordinator somewhere he or, or he's getting interviews for head coaching jobs he, every time we're talking about deuce staley it's always with the eagles it's never with another team yeah so he's not viewed as what eagles fans view him or what eagles players view him around the league why would Jeffrey Leary view him the same way too? Yeah, I, I, and I agree. And but Sirianni wasn't interviewed by anybody else either. But uh, he has been an O coordinator the last couple of years. I tried to interview him last year, though. I will say, what's that? The Browns did try to interview him last year. He turned them down because he wanted to focus on the playoffs. He yeah. put a Ryan Dabble on the Browns. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. That's that's a good thing. I wasn't really aware of that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think fans wanted to see kind of that in-house promotion. Deuce is a good guy. Every player in the world was lobbying for Deuce. Right. They were, I mean, let's be honest, Ed. I mean, you're as honest as you possibly be about this team. This team is not a position to do an in-house promotion. If Doug Peterson was to retire or pass away, unfortunately, or something that where, where things were working with this team and this system and some unforeseen, unforeseen events happen with Doug Peterson, then you promote in-house. This team, you... you I, this could be a fresh a breath of fresh air coming in and not be Doug Peterson. That's fine. But what is he going to bring that's different? He's not, he hasn't learned anything. Only the only offense that he learned different was Chip Kelly's. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, 
as a coach. So I don't know what he would bring in different. And I don't think Jeffrey knew either because if he did and he thought he would bring in something different, he would be the head coach right now. Right. Yeah. I know. I just think that's where the fans are wondering why not Deuce? Why bring somebody in like Sirianni who, you know, was bad and your system was broken. Neither play, neither guy has called uh, plays before. Um, so why not promote from within? But listen, I, I'm all for going out and bringing someone in from the outside. I really, and now we'll see where they go with the OC and the DC. Um, I would, I, I would be surprised to do stays. Well, me too. I don't think he'll be the or offensive coordinator. Um, I, will Matt Burke be the defensive coordinator? I mean, he's not getting any buzz. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think so either. Uh, this Jonathan Gannon guy, I yeah. like him a lot. Yeah. And I don't know him that well. I just like him from what his what he's done with the Vikings in the defensive backs coach room. Because I mean, there since they since he's left, I mean, I think it's pretty telling. And then uh, what he did with Xavier Rhodes this year in Indianapolis to get, I mean, you could talk about comeback player of the year. Xavier Rhodes is just on that list too. Yeah. And, and Jonathan Gannon gets the most. I mean, Kenny Moore Jr. is one of the best slot corners in the NFL. I would I would assume he would probably say, "Hey, my DBs coach Jonathan Gannon's helping me with that." So. uh if they want to hire a guy that has an emphasis in the secondary, by all means, please do. Yeah. No matter what, you're getting a talented defensive line, no matter what, no matter who the defense coordinator is. It's going to be hard not to coach that unit well. Yeah. What we need is to focus on the secondary. And if you can do that and you have a proven track record like Jonathan Gannon does, I'll roll out the red carpet for you, my man, my friend. Yep. You better find some guys, though. You got to find some talent. To yeah, you need talent. Yeah. But it is nice seeing his track record of elevating talent, getting stuff out of guys. Like with the Vikings, Mackenzie Alexander, you got something out of him. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, obviously, with now with Minnesota and with Indianapolis. Kenny Moore Jr., like I just said. Uh, Pierre Desaire, when he played for Indianapolis. So, uh, yeah. I know, again, you're, people are going to sit here and think, why are these guys crediting these guys with these players when there's so many more assets and so many schemes and so many uh, other contexts to add to it? And I get that, but, I mean, this is how these guys get these jobs, though, is their resumes and what those position groups do that they're in charge of. So that's how these guys get these jobs. And that's what I'm going off of. And Jonathan Gannon looks like a really good candidate. Yep. I agree. He's probably got to be the leader in the clubhouse. Um, but you know, the, the chargers are also interested in talking to him. The difference is, is he probably wouldn't be you know, the be all end all play caller on the defensive signals. Cause Brandon Staley's a defensive guy and he's the head coach there now. So, you know, it, it probably would be more attractive to come in to work with uh, a guy that you're familiar with in uh, Nick Sirianni. And I still have to get used to saying that name, Nick Sirianni. Uh, it always feels like there's a hesitation right before I say the head coach's name because it's still kind of strange and sinking in. But he's going to have to. We're we're the we're the town of nicknames. And sorry, bud, your nickname aligns with Siri from the iPhone, and we're going to be calling you Siri, You're Coach <laughs> Siri. Like, hey Siri, can we run the ball more? Like, yes, yeah, we're going to do. That's, it's going to happen. He's getting that nickname, bud. Yeah, yeah, you know, you might be onto something there. Seer Dog or something like that. You know, you the nicknames now. Seer Dog. If we can call him Dougie P, we're going to call you Siri. Yeah, Siri. But um, I know a lot of people are focusing on the staff, and I think a lot of people are picking names for offensive coordinator, and I've seen Anthony Lynn out there, and I'm like, I don't know if I want Anthony Lynn, to be honest with you. He had some boneheaded, and it's not even just this year, last year too. He's yeah. had some boneheaded play calls. And if I'm going to bring in – no matter what, because I've seen another debate about this on online, and I think it's awful. First of all, let Nick Sirianni call plays. Let him do it. Grow, do it with the growing pains. Bring in a veteran voice. Like you said, you texted me this last night, and I was like, oh, sign me up. Jim Caldwell. Why not? 
Why yeah. not we're not bringing Jim Caldwell? Or maybe you tell Nick, hey, we interviewed this guy last year that Doug was completely against because he didn't want to let him have any play calling ability. But we really think Graham Harrell has something in him. We think you guys can mix because a lot of people are like, well, what's Nick Sirianni's relationships? Let's dive into his relationships. Jeffrey Lurie and, and Harry Roseman don't care about your relationships. They'll help you make relationships. But they're going to help you build the staff. They're yeah. going to have their hand in you building the staff. This isn't you giving us a list of who you want and we'll call them. This is us building the staff together. Jeff Statlin's probably going to be here. Dave Phipps probably going to be here. Mm-hmm. There's probably going to be some guys from the state. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Deuce Staley stays, but I mean, I think getting passed over a couple of times is going to finally get to him. Yeah. But how about the I mean, staying power of Phipp and, Phipp and Stout, though? I don't I mean, understand. They power, they survived, you know, they brought, they came in with chips, so this will be their third staff that they will be brought back with. I mean, I mean, honestly, uh, when like the second episode of Eagles Brawl, and again, Julian Vondervelde, uh great deaf player, great guy for the team. It was always around. Uh, and again, it wasn't a starter, and I know a lot of people are going to think, well, his opinion doesn't really matter, but I, to me it did, and he would know more than you would. He said Jeff Stoutland was the best offensive line coach he's ever had, and he's been coached by Howard Mudd. So yeah. I think that matters. If you, and that's a guy who's been around the NFL in different right. systems too. So right, if you're good, you're good. It shouldn't matter who the head coach is. If right, good at they, what you do. They need yeah. Jeff Stoutland. This team needs Jeff Stoutland. Dave Fipp, though, he called out. He called out Howie Roseman. He just called out Howie Roseman. Said I don't have enough talent. That's why the special teams unit sucks. Like that's I mean, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> wasn't wrong, but I mean, he wasn't right either. Because yeah. I think they do still put some emphasis on there. I still think they bring some guys in. I just think injuries happen. So yeah. a lot of your special teams guys got injured this year. Yeah. But you know what? Another thing, forget all this though, because his staff is going to be figured out in the next couple of days, no matter what we think or say, and we'll find our way to buy into it no matter what. What about the running game? I think this is important with Nick Sirianni too. Uh, I think what they lacked from Frank leaving was balance. Yeah. He never found balance on offense after Frank left. And I would argue in 2018, it's because they had no running back talent whatsoever. 2019, they're trying to figure out how to use Miles Sanders uh, to his full capabilities because he ended up really becoming your best vertical threat and you needed more in the passing game than you did in the running game at that point. And then in 2020, you had no identity running the ball. Well, Nick Sirianni with Frank Reich, the last three years has had almost 1,000 yards rushing each season. Marlon Mack, 900 in 2018. He had a thousand over a thousand yards in 2019. Jonathan Taylor, a rookie this year, had over a thousand yards. So at least he's learning the right thing from Frank that Doug didn't learn from Frank is how to balance an offense. You yeah. would think, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even the, even the proof, I have the proof right here. This is what I'm going off of because the yeah. Eagles were third in rushing in 2017. Frank leaves, I think they go to 31st or at least below the bottom because they had Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood the year after Frank left. Right. So because JJ got hurt right away. Um, he got hurt too. Yeah, um, he got hurt too. Yeah, but, you're right. I mean, but the Colts have a very good offensive line too. You know, Quentin, Quentin and, Nelson is fantastic, and that's the influence of. You would think. I mean, I think that's a philosophy that the Eagles already had going in, and maybe Frank bought into that from how it worked in Philly and brought it to Indianapolis because that was the one thing that before he got there, it wasn't shored up was his offensive line, and that's one of the first things they do is shore up the offensive line and the protections. I think Frank Wright calls great protection calls. I don't, I don't think Doug did bad with that at all. I don't think Jeff and Doug did bad that at all. I'm not worried about that because the Eagles have the talent. It was the injuries on the offensive line, I think. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I agree. And they're going to need another running back. I mean, if you want to talk running oh, back, Miles Sanders, they can't. 
just rely on him, clearly. They need to go out and draft somebody, and they need to draft yeah. somebody early. Yeah, and the Colts had Marlon Mack, and he was very successful in Frank's system. That, that that did not stop them at all going into the second round, taking Jonathan Taylor, who actually compliments him pretty well. I know Marlon yeah, Mack. Matthew Hines, uh, who's very good. Very good. Very good. That's a Boston Scott-type back, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Hines is better, but, I mean, Boston Scott has a similar skill set. Yeah. But they need, a, they need a running back. But, you know, getting back to Jim Caldwell as the offensive coordinator, I mean, I think he's 65 years old in that neighborhood. I mean, he, he is clearly a veteran voice. voice. He pro, his head coaching days are behind him. Um, and and if you bring in a 39-year-old coach, I mean, Sirianni will be 40 in June. So, really, he's, he's 40, he'll be 40 um, once the season starts ramping up. But, you know, do you feel like maybe it would be nice to have that kind of a Oh, a relationship to help build a game plan with um, someone who's going to be comfortable just doing that and not having to call the plays. It'll be interesting though, because Frank went into it with like Doug and Frank went into it kind of differently. Doug went into it with, I need somebody on my same level. Right. Frank went into it with, I need somebody I'm very close with. that I think can be on my level someday. So I wonder what Nick's mindset going into it. Cause I'm thinking, I, I think he should think I'm a 39 year old, soon to be 40 year old head coach. Uh, haven't called plays before. I should get that veteran presence that like you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Jim Caldwell is not going to come in here and step on my toes. He's going to come in here and help me and want to help the offense. And honestly, it would be the best thing. If you're talking about Nick Sirianni being the best thing for Carson Wentz, Jim Caldwell would be the best thing for Carson Wentz as offense coordinator. Yeah, and and you know he's used to having that that fatherly type voice. Like Frank Reich will be 60 years old, I think, next week or in feb- early February. So. Yeah. They're not too far apart in age, and there was a good relationship. Frank talked glowingly about Sirianni um, at the Combine last year. Uh, oh, you know, that whole entire interview, he was proclaiming him as the next head coach and everything. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think there's something to be said for that too. So I don't think you can discount it. I'd be surprised if it's Caldwell. But another thing Caldwell brings, and the Eagles haven't done a good job with this, is that minority hiring situation. I know they hired Ray Rhodes, you know, 25 years ago. Okay, great. But who have you hired in the minority field since? I mean, Caldwell is is a great coach, a great, I would think, a great confidant, someone you can count on to help you uh, and not usurp what you're doing or try to step on your toes. Um, and he's a minority, too. I mean, I think they really need to look hard at, you know, uh, talented minority candidates to fill these roles. I'm not sure they will, um, but Caldwell would give you both those things. And, uh, Especially if you go from dues. Like- yeah. You I, move on. I, I agree with you. I mean, that's not the reason why I'm going to give Caldwell the job anyways, but I think no. that's, a, no, that's a good influence. And it's, it's good. I, I, the, t- the main reason is, is he's a good influence. Yeah. I think he would be a good influence on, you know, a, a first year head coach, someone that you can build a relationship with, who's not going to be looking to be a head coach. Probably. Well, at on your toes. Exactly. Exactly. Cause he's not looking to step on your toes. He's just looking to help. And yeah. you want to be part. Cause if Jim Caldwell wants to coach, first of all, the fact that he's if he does want to coach and he's not getting opportunities, then there is something there's clearly something wrong with the NFL. Right. Jim Caldwell is a very talented coach. He should be coaching right now. Right. If, right. If he wants to coach. Um, yeah, if he does want to coach, he should be having a job then. Yeah. Uh, then that's a problem. Because I agree with you. There is a there is a minority problem in the NFL, and they do need to fix this or at least build out a better process to at least make us more confident in that process. Yeah. Because we're not right now. And maybe, I agree. Or what anybody says, majority of us are not comfortable with the process right now. No. I mean, seven co- coaching openings this year. It looks like the Texans will probably go with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, so that's one minority candidate that's been hired. Um, Which I don't know if Bieniemy going there is a lock either yet. So 
I know. We're not sure of that. But, you know, he's the only one. And at the beginning of the season, he was thought to be the guy, you know, with all the credentials. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, though, I do think his – and I I just remember Ben Albright uh, saying this last year that the reason why he's not getting a head coaching job is because his off-the-field track records is pretty damning. And, I mean, it's different when you're hired. And I know people are going to be like, well, Matt Patricia got a job and all this stuff with all their stuff and their background. And even Peterson had some questionable stuff in his background. But – it's a long track record, I will say, for BNME. And I think that is definitely what goes more into it for NFL owners than it does the color of his skin because this is the man leading your football team. This yeah. is the man. You, I mean, kids look up to these coaches. I mean, look at Giovanni. He wants to be a future Eagles head coach. I would argue Doug Peterson's influence and what he's done for this team is the reason why Giovanni feels that way. Mm-hmm. So I do think that stuff goes more into it. But again, uh, I am no one to judge anyone. And the Eric enemy is way more qualified than most of these head coaches that got hired. So he deserves to have a head coaching gig no matter what. Right. Um, so I completely agree. There is a problem with that process and they need to establish a better draft compensation. I don't know if it's a good process. I think that's just you're adding incentives to a hire that, that, that makes you question who, why they're hiring the guy then a little bit more. Right. I need a more vetted process of let's see these guys get more interviews. Let's see these guys be more thought of by organizations when they have these head coaching openings than they are. Let's see these guys have second interviews. Like, let's see these guys get a chance. Yeah. Like a better chance. That's all we're at. That's all I'm saying. Right. But anyways. What are we done with your list? So all right. So your list so far for reasons to be excited about Suriani. We got the wide receivers. I got one more positive and then I got my couple of negatives. So I got he was Frank Reich to Doug Pearson in 2016, 2017. What he, I mean, excuse me, he was to Frank Reich what Frank Reich was to Doug Peterson in 2016, 2017. And that and the only way I really studied that and knew that is because of you, because of what you brought to the Eagles, what you said. Going over the game plan, scripting them thoroughly every single game, every single night. Doug did not have that since Frank, which, again, I know that information because of you. And I think that's hindered his coaching ability. And I think you would agree as well. Yeah. Frank, instead of saying, hopefully I can do this myself, like Doug did, made Sirianni become his confidant, made him become what he was to Doug Peterson. And, I mean, look how it's working so far for him. So I would think Sirianni knows the importance of having a right-hand man and offense coordinator, whereas Doug did not. And that's very important to this hire, I think. Incredibly important to this hire. That's why I put him as one of my positives. Now, I got two, I got a couple of negatives, three negatives, and Again, the positives outweigh the negatives. And I came up with this list as unbiasedly as I could, just from what I could see from the outside looking in. Never called plays before. And I think entering a struggling offense with a broken and expensive quarterback that had issues with the recent and raw play caller, because Doug Peterson, again, was a raw player caller going into uh, the Eagles job. He only called the second half plays for the Kansas City before he took over for the Eagles. Uh, Okay, I'll just go quickly on that. Go ahead. He's been around a lot of offenses. He's been in the league since 2009, I think, or eight, somewhere in that range, maybe a little earlier. He's been around a lot of offenses. He's been around a lot of different coaches. Um, I think he's excited to get the opportunity to call plays, and he should have that opportunity. Um, whether he, it, There's going to be growing pains, no question about that, You know, as he kind of feels right. his way along. But I wouldn't be overly concerned about that just because he does oh, have I'm not. That, I'm, not. Uh, I'm just saying that you have, you have to put that as a negative, though. Yeah, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that one. No, I'm not either. But it has to present some kind of pause because, again, this this is a team that's coming off of – I mean, 
people can say what they want about Doug, but it, I think he's one of the worst play callers uh, this season, at least this season. And it was so detrimentally bad to the point where he had to lose his job. Yeah. That's how bad I thought it was. And I mean, I would argue Jeffrey Leary thought the same. And this isn't a knock on Sirianni at all or quite his fault at all. But like I said in the beginning of the episode, hiring Doug's ex-offensive coordinator's offensive coordinator to replace Doug sounds like a flawed process. It does, by just saying that sentence. It does. I'm not going to lie to you. You're thoroughly admitting that you think Frank Reich might have been one of the geniuses behind the process. And I would argue from... I think you've heard the same thing from talking to players that uh, I have in passing, as well as Frank Wright was a huge influence on this team. A lot of guys want on this Eagles offense would love the opportunity to play for Frank Reich again, I would believe. I mean, I know one player would. What? Uh, hmm, wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of players love the influence of Frank Reich and what Frank Wright brought to this Philadelphia Eagles team. So I get why you would want a guy that Frank coached up. But I'm just saying, this process just admitted that. Like You th- you just showed how much you really valued Frank by doing this process of hiring Nick Sirianni. So I think that process to maybe not me per se, because it doesn't sound, I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm Don't, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm perfectly fine with it. These negatives are nothing. The, the, the one thing I want to show, to compare and contrast to my positives to the negatives, these negatives aren't that bad. Like I'm no, I, I if anything, I'm more open minded to Nick Sirianni and excited to see what he can bring. Yeah, I, there's always excitement over the, something new, in my opinion. Right. You know, new car, new house, new daughter, new son, whatever it is. I mean, there's, yeah, there's always something exciting. Always yeah. something exciting. The unknown, the the lure of the unknown is what's better than uh, taking on something that you might know or taking on a retread. To be honest with you, yeah. But making a coaching decision to appease one player again, this has nothing to do with Nick Sirianni, honestly. But Making a coaching decision to appease one certain player bothers me. It, it, no, I can't say it doesn't. It, it bothers me because I think it's a short-sighted vision. You yeah. can't base your whole entire team around one player. Well, listen, we just talked about the receivers. Maybe that had a hand in it too. You know, I agree that it did. But yeah, maybe I mean, more than just Carson. You know, on the surface, it looks like okay, this is all about Carson. I will say, no matter what, it, I I would have this negative if it wasn't for Nick Serini either. If Joshua Daniels had it was hired, this goes as one of my negatives still too. Because Nick, obviously, wait a minute, Nick who? Who did you say, Nick who? Oh, did I say it wrong? Nick Sirianni. <laughs> there you go. You know, I take it I'm sorry, man. I'm. I, yeah, hey, hey, Nick. If you're if you're out there listening, which by the way, that'd be awesome. But yeah. if you're out there listening, I'm Irish. Like I, I'm German. Like I, I'm, I'm as white as possibly be. I get everybody's names wrong. I'm gonna get your name wrong, bud. But we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I know. And and listen, we're still calling the Los Angeles Chargers the San Diego Chargers. Some of us and. You know, we're still learning to call the Washington football team. Uh, well, when Nick was there, he was there for San Diego, so that's why I brought. That's why I said. Yeah, so. I know, I know, but I, I still. I'm saying from my point, well, I, I hear everybody say Oakland Raiders, Chargers. Everybody say Oakland Raiders. Plus, we're Philadelphia. We call him Asante Samuels. Yeah, we call, we call uh, Doug Doug Peterson. Yeah, like, we call Nestor Aguilar. Like we, yeah, we, Chase we, Daniel was Chase Daniel, not Chase Daniels. I mean, you know, yeah. we always have issue with names. So yeah, I, I get it. No offense. But if Carson doesn't improve, then I feel like they're back at square one because I'm not convinced that Jalen Hurts would fit a rank a Frank Wright type of offense. That's what Nick Sirianni wants to model his system after is what Frank does in Indy. I don't know if Jalen Hurts can fit that personally because I didn't think Jalen Hurts could fit Doug Peterson's offense, to be honest with you. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you hope that Nick isn't one of those, you know, my scheme or, or you know, the highway type coaches. You hope he comes in. 
honest with you, from everything you read about him, it's all about what can we do to to make our offense, our system fit our players and their skill set. Exactly. You don't want to be married to any one scheme and then try to square pegs into round holes. I mean, you have to be flexible. So it's way too early to tell if he'll be. I mean, once he gets in and starts seeing Jalen Hurts' skill set and has a coordinator that he can trust and they can work together to say, okay, what are his strengths? How can we play to them? I mean, I think that's what he's going to do. I don't think – He's going to be to come in and, you know, play my scheme or, you know, we're going to find somebody that can. He's going to try to work with the skill sets of the players. And that's that's what you have to do to be a successful coach. Absolutely. But that's it for my list, man. I, I It's not bad. Po- the positive outweighed the negatives by far. By yeah. far. They did. So uh, very open-minded about this. And, again, I mean, I, I know what I reported about Josh McDaniels and i thinking it was locking. For the information I was told, it the falling out was, and I don't I'm going to let you t- touch on this too because you've heard some things, but the falling out was how he wanted Josh. Lurie ended up, I mean, again, this was reported as well by Pro Football Talk is Lurie was never fully on board. Right. And I also, and I got this confirmed from Mike K, who I'm sure he's going to end up writing an article on this too, is Josh McDaniels wasn't completely in love with the front office structure outside of Harry Roseman. Right. And that goes to John Dorsey and that goes to Jeffrey Lurie's input. I think that's why that fizzled out. I think once that interview happened, it was hot and heavy. I do believe that they were thinking about making that decision of hiring Josh Daniels. I mean, uh, the position coach told told the guy that told me that what was going on. So I do think that there was a thought in that organization that Josh was going to be the guy. But I also think Nick Sirianni's interview probably swayed their decision in a different direction. Yeah. And and listen, I mean, I would think that, you know, I've been told that too, how he wanted McDaniels and Jeffrey was a little more reticent, but I think maybe how he could have kind of jumped the gun and maybe made a few calls to the coaching staff and said, look, you know, we're, this is who we're bringing in. And uh, if you don't think you can work with him and don't want to be a candidate to to return then start looking for another job. And um, maybe that got out a little prematurely. Um, and then, like you said, they brought in a couple more candidates Monday. I thought they brought in Todd Bowles, right? And then they brought in Kellen Moore. So, and I, well, another interesting nugget, and I'm sure it'll get reported, is they actually really considered Kellen Moore. They, If you had to fill out a list of uh, head coaches they're about to hire, Sirianni's number one, Josh Nail's number two, but Kellen Moore's number three. It's not Todd Bowles' number three. It's Kellen Moore's number three. Yeah, I know. I know they like Kellen Moore, and I like the fact that I mean, he, he's an up-and-comer, no doubt. I mean, the Cowboys extended him. They gave him a bigger contract to stay in Dallas as the offensive coordinator. So might end up being there, Jason Garrett, where he they promote him to replace the head coach. That's true. That's true, depending on how McCarthy does. I mean, the talent in Dallas is there. And But you know what's good about this hire? And then I guess you know we can sign off or whatever. But um, is now we can start to turn the page and look at some of the other big issues that confront this team in the offseason. So there's a lot of them. Uh, what's that? Because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, you personally. I don't feel for – I mean, I feel for Nick Sirianni coming into this cap situation. Yeah. But listen, you have the Senior Bowl coming up on January 30th. It's nice to have a, a coach in place, and you hope you have a DC in place. So now you know what kind of scheme you're going to have, what kind of uh, talent you need to fit that scheme. You're not going at the draft, buddies. Yeah. So, so – you know the team. Yeah, without any combine this year, I mean, it's all going to be done virtually at pro days, no scouting combine. I mean, that's that's a big hit. 
to identifying talents for these teams. This is a big adjustment for them. And I think it's going to put more weight on these all-star games. So now we can turn the page. We have a staff in place, right? Now they can start looking at what players fit, what this new staff is going to uh, implement. And then you can start to look at the salary cap, look toward free agency. You're not going to have any money. You know, you're going to really have to look at the low level free agents that maybe you can come in that can help. And the coaches will help with that. Uh, You know, so there's so many issues uh, that now we can start looking at the draft. I mean, who are they going to take in the draft? Now, now we can start talking about this stuff. Yeah, we, we have a head coach. On the more important issues that go with the team because the head coach has finally done that dominoes fall. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Again, follow all Ed and John McMullen stuff on the Eagles map and the Sports Illustrated. They're covering the Eagles A to Z. They have all over this head coaching search. Uh, continue to read their articles. And we'll be back with another episode soon because Ed's been rocking and rolling on all this lately. I said, Ed, come on, man. They hired their coach. We've got to record. we got to get an episode out there. Yeah. So I set my alarm clock bright and early. So did I. So did I. Because <laughs> I, I got to go to work after this. So uh, it was great, though. I had it. We had to talk this because uh, I didn't want to have my our Joshua Daniels episodes lingering out there when they have a completely different head coach because nobody's going to listen to that episode now. So now we got some that are Nick Sirianni, our positive or negatives. And both of us are very open minded about it. And I like it. Yeah, I think everybody has to be really. I mean, you have to give somebody a chance here. Right. Is it going to be perfect? Is it going to be, you know, are there not going to be growing pains? No, there's going to be growing pains. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying he's a lock to be good or anything, but I'm I'm at least I'm just keeping keeping an open mind. I'm not going to sit here and think this guy's going to be the next Sean McVay. I'm not going to sit here and crown him of anything. I'm going to sit here and be like, you know what? Let's see what you can do, and then I'll talk. How about yeah. that? Wait, Andy Reid. You know, he could be the next. I mean, unheralded coach, and like you mentioned earlier in the in the pod here, Connor. I mean. Jeffrey Lurie's got a good track record of hiring coaches. Yeah, way better than mine. Come to the playoffs the first two years. Andy Reid, 14 years. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Even Chip Kelly took him to the playoffs his first year. So uh, benefit of the doubt here. Way deserves it. Absolutely, 100% deserves it, and especially considering some of the names that I've advocated for in my past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.